Well, this morning, I want to take just a few minutes. I promise I'll have you out by 12. My stomach is growling, too, and I know many of you have just come to see your children. But, but one of the things we do in a church that is distinctly Christian is proclaim God's good news. And so I would feel really guilty letting you leave without not saying at least one word about uh, this wonderful theme of, of, of peace this week. And so I want to think with you quickly, which means you'll have to listen faster, um, about this theme of peace this morning. And so I want to begin with this question. Do you have doubts? Do you have doubts? What gives you doubt? I know for many of you, um, I, I, I don't know what this is like, but, but I know many of you are Bears fans, and uh, they often give you doubt. I'm a Buckeye and Bengals fan, so we don't know what despair and doubt is like. Uh, <laughs> but talking with many of you... Uh, just in conversation, there's a glimpse of hope that you might win, but the reality is you know you're going to lose, right? Uh, I think some of us, uh, our kids give us doubt, right? Maybe your kids have said they're going to go stay with a friend, but there's something inside of you that says, uh, I have a feeling my kid was somewhere else last night besides with their friend. Maybe you're in a relationship that gives you doubt. You really, really, really like this person, but deep down there's a sense inside that, that tells you you know it's not going to work out. Maybe you've gone to the doctor, or maybe you're waiting to go to the doctor because you have something that's continually bothering you, and you don't want to go to the doctor because you know that uh, the prognosis might not be good, and so you have doubts about the doctor. I think in life we are often dealt with these doubts in our life. And, and can I just be honest with you for a few moments, uh, a little transparency from your pastor as, as I think about over my life, between the experiences of war and then uh, meeting with people weekly to pray with them during their sicknesses and, and, and death is around the corner, uh, and I, I think about the poverty that, that we see in our lives around us and, and how we meet those needs, uh, there's always this, this, it's almost like it comes off the plains, this wind that comes off the plains and whispers in my ear, what if this isn't real? You know, Brad, you give your life to the church and to serving people, but, but as it comes in, it, it whispers in my ear, what if all this isn't real? And then as soon as it comes in, it's gone. But the unfortunate thing is that, that it leaves this imprint, this question on my mind, what if this isn't real? And so I know many of you are saying, how can this be? How can this be real? You, you begin to ask questions about your faith and where you're coming from, and and then we're often left with the question, how can I be sure? But this is what I love about Luke's account, which we're going to read in just a minute. But Luke didn't want a second-hand story about who Jesus was. And so what he did is he went out on his own, and he was personally seeking who Jesus was on his own. And I think for many of us, our faith has been handed down to us from our parents. And, and it's almost just like, just show up and do your thing. Don't ask questions. Don't t tell anybody that you have these insecurities or their doubts, because if you do, if you do, you're going against everything that you've been taught. So, so we learn as Christians to become these methodical, robotic, rule-following kind of Christians, which I respond or, or I begin to think that in that kind of faith, you have not experienced the realness and goodness of God's grace and love. And so this morning, we are going to quickly dive into a story in Luke 1 where, where this person responds how often we respond. 
So if you turn with me to Luke 1, uh, we'll start in verse 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar. This is Zechariah, by the way. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then I love Zachariah's response to the angel. He says, how can I be sure? There's the doubt. I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. So then we fast forward to the, to the birthing process, and John is born, and it says here that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he began to prophesy, Praise be to the Lord God of Israel, because He has come to redeem His people. He has raised upon a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show us mercy to our ancestors and to remember the covenant that was made. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord, and I love this, to prepare a way for him. To give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, and because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet, I love this, into the path of peace. So this morning I'm, I'm struck with these few thoughts, and I'll, I'll keep them brief. Zechariah really is... When we meet him, his story is a great tragedy. There is childlessness in his life. And if you know anything about first century good Jewish people, uh, they have these laws. And, and basically there were seven that, that excommunicated people who weren't following the Jewish laws. And the first, first, few, or first seven were written this way. It says, a Jew who has no wife or a Jew who has a wife who has no child will be excommunicated from God's people. So this, is, this really kind of is a tragic story. There's despair in this story. There's doubt in this story. But yeah, the scripture tell us that, tells us that uh, Zechariah prays daily for this birth to happen, this new life to happen. And so this angel meets him and tells him, it's, hey, the birth is about to happen. And, and I love, the angel says, do not fear. And, and so maybe Zechariah took that to me. Now I can say whatever I want. And so he says to the angel... How can I be sure of this? How can I be sure that this is going to happen? My wife is old. I'm old. 
we're too old to be doing this. Are you sure? And so often, doubt wins the bout of hope and doubt. And this is what I love about God's story that draws us in. As we look at the life of Zechariah, Mary, and Elizabeth, we begin to see that doubt and faith is a constant tension that God's people deal with. But what Luke does for the reader is he helps us see that this is a story of every ordinary person. And that God's grand story comes to meet the little people down here on earth. And so I love how Zechariah begins to, to talk about this, this God who comes to meet His people where they are. This is prophetic in many ways. And so, when we begin to think about prophecy, during this time, prophecy had fallen silent. For years, they had been waiting for this, this Messiah to come. And that had kind of gone by the wayside. But, but Zechariah's punishment is now becoming a foretelling of what is happening for the nation of Israel. I love this. that His punishment of silence is now becoming a signpost for what God is doing in the world. So as he begins to prophesy about God this is now sending his son, this redeemer, this creator, has come to save the world, this is a new story for the people of Israel that once what was silent is now being proclaimed to the world that God's good news is here. Salvation is being given to all of us. And so Zechariah begins to, uh, in his words, he begins to talk about John's preparation for allowing God's people to once again become God's people again. And so I want to think in closing about these final words. Prepare the way. What I love about our God is He prepares. God doesn't work off the cuff. He doesn't just do things haphazardly, as many of us may think. But God plans. And so as we begin to think about these the things that, that, that allow for preparation, we begin to see that Zechariah talks about knowledge, forgiveness, and peace. You see, for the people of this day, knowledge about God, especially for the Greeks, was God is this fear-mongering God. He's off in the distance. He's, he's mute. He doesn't talk to us. And then for the Jews, it became about this God who is a, a law-abiding God, that we follow all these rules, and, and He is kind of our judge in that way when we follow those rules. But but God sending His Son, Jesus, begins to say to the world, this is a different kind of God. That it's through Jesus that we see who God is. And so we get this knowledge. We begin to, the people of this day are, are now seeing and receiving a knowledge of God that has never been heard or seen before. And I love, I love what Barclay says. He says, Forgiveness is offered in this. And it's not so much about the remission of penalty as it is about the restoration of relationship. You see, we often talk about God coming to die for our sins as, he, as if He's suffering some penalty. But I think about it this way, that, that God sends His Son to once again allow God's people to be who He intended them to be. That He is here to set the relationship right. And it's in that that God's people begin to experience His goodness and His peace. And if you just glance over Zechariah's words this morning, you begin to see that we can take peace in things like salvation, liberation, mercy, rescue, redemption, forgiveness, 
Light of life and paths of peace. These are the words that Zechariah uses to tell us about John the Baptist who is to come and about this, the Savior that is to come. So what do I want you to know this morning? This is what I want you to know. There is peace in the peril of death. There is peace in the peril of death. You see, for many of us, the world tells us that there is no knowledge of God. Look at the world around you. If you think there's a God, you're crazy because this world is is out of control. But yet, as we hear those things, doubt begins to creep in. But then we, we go to Luke's story and we begin to realize that Luke's story must be our story. That in the midst of doubt, we must be a people who are on a mission to experience this personal God alone. Yes, the four Gospels are important, but the greatest Gospel out there is the Gospel of personal experience. And so you have a responsibility as God's people to continually fill your minds and your hearts with with this knowledge and and this revealing of God Himself. I love it that, I I say this, that, that God has been real revealed to us. Real revealed to us. This is a God who is tangible. And not some distant, far off God. The other thing I want us to think about this morning is that that God's forgiveness is offered to each of you. That God wants to be in right relationship with you. This is not some joke or something that we just like to talk about to make everybody feel good, but But in the midst of chaos, in the midst of doubt, God's forgiveness moves in our life. His grace and His love meets us where we are. And He says to us, come dance with me. I love it. The picture of a 7th grade dance, an awkward junior high dance. You've all been there, right? Girls on one side, guys on the other. Nobody wants to cross the floor because we're all afraid to go extend our hand to the girl that we like or the guy that we like. But it's like Jesus walks across the dance floor to us and says, will you dance? Will you accept my forgiveness in my life? And so for us now, we take the peace in knowing that we are no longer chasing our own image. This is where we get peace. We are no longer chasing our own image, but we now find ourselves in the image of the one who creates. Do you find peace in that? That I'm no longer chasing myself, my dreams, my personal own story, but rather... I am becoming who God created me to be. And so I hope that that's the story for you this morning. My Christians out there, the ones who are experienced in this Christian life, I I have a few words for you before we go. I have one minute, and I'm almost done. I'm watching the clock. We, as Christians, must make John's mission of preparation our mission. Of knowledge forgiveness, and peace. You see, your life. When I talk about knowledge, I don't mean going in the streets, throwing evangel cubes at people and saying, you need to know Jesus. No, no, no. What I mean by knowledge is that what Jesus was to the first century, we are to be to the 21st century. That as God sends His Son, we too are sent to this world. That our lives become a reflection of God's love and mercy. So that people around us begin to know who God is by the way that we live our lives in our workplaces, in our homes, the way we parent our children, and the way we love our grandkids. 
knowledge about God is given to those around us through our reflections of who God is. The other thing is forgiveness. As God's people, we are forgiving people. And our relationship with God can only be as great as our relationship with our neighbors. Maybe I hurt you on that one, but oftentimes we feel like we can walk into this place and begin to worship, but yet we aren't even right with our neighbor. And often in our, in our services, that's why we extend peace to each other to say, I am right with you so I can be right with God. So we are to be a forgiving people. Our relationship with God is only as great as our relationship with our neighbor. And so lastly, through your reflections of God's love, His grace, and His mercy to the people around you, and as you begin to forgive and love those around you, people can experience God's peace. People can experience the resurrected Lord who says to His people on the first day of the new world, My peace be with you. So I say all this to say, if you are experiencing doubt this morning, one day, if you're not a Christian, you will make the greatest Christian. The greatest Christians are the ones who ask the most questions. That's my philosophy anyway. I think that's the greatest way to teach, is to ask a lot of questions. And so if you're struggling with the doubt, I want you to take hope in knowing that Zachariah, Mary, and Elizabeth all struggled with doubt and faith. Faith and doubt. This was a constant tension. And we can take peace in knowing that that is our story as well. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we give thanks for your word to us. We give thanks that, that you're not a God who's off in the distance somewhere, who, who isn't revealed, but rather uh, you send your son Jesus, this Jesus who is like God and God who is like Jesus. That what we see in Jesus must be true about you, God. And so we're thankful that this is tangible, that this is real, this isn't something fake. That rather we have knowledge that you, are, that, that you exist. We pray that as God's people, we, we become a forgiving people, that we extend that to those around us. And we pray that as we work through this Advent season, that your peace be with us. We are thankful for your love and your mercy. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, greet somebody, say hello, and children, thank you for a wonderful job this morning.